Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Hallelujah. Mark 11, 22. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, now our Father, we give you thanks for your word. We thank you that we can trust our lives to its provisions. We thank you for the integrity of your word. For you're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. But if you said it, you'll do it. If you've spoken, you make it good. We thank you for it. We thank you, dear Father God, for receptive hearts, attentive ears, and open minds. And we channel our minds now to receive the word and to receive revelation from your word. And we thank you that your spirit will unveil and unfold unto our spirits the hidden, rich, deep treasures of your word. To give direction to our spirits, to give illuminations to our minds as we act upon your word and are doers of your word and not hearers only. Now, we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Now, if you've just joined us, you're in the middle of a series. I'm just going to reiterate a few points, and then we're going to pick up with our teaching concerning the human spirit. We've been talking about the recreated human spirit on and off, and I'm led in my spirit to continue on this study. And we said that the recreated human spirit, that is the born-again spirit, the spirit that's born of God, has forces imparted to it. You see, when God imparts His divine life and nature into our spirits, there are certain forces that emanate from our recreated human spirit. These forces can and should be developed in every believer's life. And we develop these forces by faith. Now, we've given some guidelines or certain steps to follow in connection with developing our recreated human spirit and the forces that emanate from it. In our study, we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues as step number one. And we said that when we invite the Holy Spirit to come into our spirit and make our spirit and body his home, his home, that He also gives us a prayer language, a heavenly language, whereby we can communicate with Him and with the Father God. And we are told that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself or builds himself up and speaks divine secrets unto God. And so when we do pray in the Spirit, as Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, he said that my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. In other words, I'm in vital contact and communion with the Holy Spirit as I pray in the Spirit. And also, we talked about meditation. Number two, meditation. I'll get back to the Holy Spirit in a little bit. But number two, we talked about meditating in the Word of God. We said there were at least three questions we need to answer concerning meditation. And that was number one, how does meditation affect the human spirit? And we talked about that. Number two is, how do I meditate? And we talked about that. 
And then step number three is what primarily do I meditate? What in this word do I meditate so that I can develop my recreated human spirit and the forces that emanate from it? What in particular? What primarily should I be meditating? And we said that when Joshua was told to meditate in the Word of God, there wasn't much Word of God for Joshua to meditate in. There wasn't much written back then. But you and I have got an account of everything from Genesis right on down through not only our time, but even future events. So there's a lot in this book to study and meditate if you wanted to. Amen? So some believers get carried off in certain tangents, and they neglect the development of their recreated human spirit. So consequently, they don't develop in their life of faith. And I've been a stickler for this. We should live in our own dispensation. People get hung up in the book of Revelation. They're hung up on future events. That's not their dispensation. You know, I mean, if that's not your dispensation, I'm not to live in that dispensation. I thank God for the things that are going to happen. I praise God that at the end of the book, it says, I win. Hallelujah. Isn't that what it says? Jesus won the battle. The victory is ours. The devil's defeated. He's cast into the lake of fire. And that settles it right there. Amen. Praise God. That's, that's what I think we should realize about the book of Revelation. And we thank God for all that's in it. I praise God. I do not belittle it at all. But I just say unto you, after you get past chapter 4, when we get the rapture of the church, that's dealing with another dispensation. So let's deal with our own dispensation. Amen? Let's live in our own time. Okay. So the last one we said was, what do I meditate? What primarily do I meditate? Now, the first thing we said that every believer should meditate and as far as I'm concerned, you know, this should be the main concern in every person's life. That is the study of faith. The study of the God kind of faith. In verse 11, Mark 11, 22, it said, have faith in God. And actually, a better rendering or more literal translation says, have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. Now, you've got to realize something. If God has dealt to us the measure of His God, His God kind of faith, then we've just begun to enter into the, the vastness of that faith. Someone says, I've heard you preach on faith before. Stick around. You're going to hear me preach on faith a lot more. Because this faith is the faith that God has. It's the faith that created the universe, created the worlds, and all that in them is. And if you think that you or I know all there is about this God, this great God kind of faith, we're highly mistaken, aren't we? Jesus was so perfected in this God kind of faith, because he being the Son of God, he spoke to a tree and said to that tree, no man eat through to thee hereafter forever, and the tree obeyed him. He spoke to the sea. He spoke to the winds. Said, peace be still. And I just, you know, for some reason, I don't know why I couldn't get peace be still out. It was only hundreds of a second from the time that I looked over my shoulder and I saw that tornado right over top of my shoulder. And the only thing I could do was just throw my kids in the door. And I kind of wanted to know, how come I couldn't get peace be still out? There just wasn't time to even think, let alone speak. You see what I'm saying? And so... That's how we can determine just how much of that faith is, is, is right there when you really, really need it. Right at the, you know, the Bible says it's the word of faith that's nigh you in your mouth and in your heart. Boy, I just wish I could have got it out of my mouth because I knew it was in my heart. But it happened so fast it would seem like a twinkling of an eye that it was all over. I don't even think I said a word. But you see what I'm saying? We can be developed in this faith. This is the God kind of faith. This is what makes the Bible work. 
I'm going to give you five juicy reasons why we should all study the God kind of faith. Five reasons. Good reasons. Amen? Number one. I gave them to you before. I'll reiterate again. Number one. For by grace are you saved through? You're saved through faith? I really don't have to go any further, do I? You're saved through faith. Number two, though, is the just shall live by? Hallelujah. If I'm living, I've got to live by faith. If I have to live by faith, then faith has got a lot to do with the way I, I, I live for Jesus and for the Father. So, it's important I understand faith. Okay? Number three is we walk by, not by sight. My walk is by faith. We fight the good fight of... Anybody got an enemy out there? We had our prayer meeting Sunday night. We said we want signs and wonders following the Word. We said we want the glory of God being made manifest and that old devil stirs up a tornado. Tornado, tornado never, hurt, never hit this area in I don't know how many years. He didn't like what we prayed. You know what? We're not intimidated by him. We're not in any, by any means are we intimidated by the adversary. Hallelujah. We'll just pray some more. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. That's right. Glory be to God. So we fight the good fight of faith. If you don't know faith, you don't know how to fight. There's a problem in believers' lives because they don't know how to fight the good fight of faith. You're not fighting the devil, but you're fighting the good fight of faith. Well, and then this one should touch everybody's heart. It should pierce everybody's heart. And that is, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. You cannot please your Heavenly Father without what? Those are five excellent reasons why every believer should major. You know, when I went to college, I had majors and minors. I majored in taking up space and I minored in anything else. I mean, I don't know why I was there. I was just there. I really did. I was a young boy, didn't know anything about why I wanted to be there. I was just there. It was a thing to do. Go to school. Go to college. So I was there. You know, I took up space. That was my major. Well, you could major in other things. You know, some people could major in language and, you know, teaching, physical education, etc., etc. But I, you see, I come to realize that if there's a major and a minor, there must be major prophets and minor prophets in the Bible. It wasn't because some was big and some was small. But it was because what they had to say at the time was of more importance at that time. Major and minor prophets. Well, there's major and minor subjects that we, you know, take. There are major and minor prophets. There are major things in which we should study in the Word of God. There are some minor things. It's a minor thing when the rapture takes place to me. People have set up argument booths. I mean, to come in and just argue about when the rapture is going to take place. You know what my conclusion is? It's going to take place. No doubt, I'm ready. That settles it. But I mean, to sit around a table and get into strife and argument and division over it doesn't make any sense to me. I can prove to you that it's mid-trip. Hallelujah. I can prove to you that it's post-trip. I can prove to you that it's, you know, before the millennial reign. I can prove that to you. It's before the millennial reign of Christ. Amen? So that's where I settle, you know, the issue. But I'm just ready to go. Why argue about it? Why get into strife about it? Why get into debate about it? That's a minor thing. It's going to happen. I can't do anything about it. Right? So praise God. But they have to have everything. They've got to prove their point. For what purpose? If you read on right through Mark 11, 22 through 26, you'll find out that they can't be strong in faith because they're always arguing. Getting in strife with somebody. 
And that Bible says right there that we as believers are not to strive or hold grudges. Amen? It'll affect your faith life. We're not to have our faith life affected by minor things such as that. Now, when I say minor, I'm not saying that it's, you know, of no importance. I'm not saying that. Why did God call them minor prophets? Why major and why minor prophets? See? So, you see, some of the things in the Bible, they're minor. Let's major in the majors and minor in the minors. Let's not major in the minors like some people do. I'll give you a good example. One guy spent his life in the book of Revelation. And I mean got upset and uptight about the book of Revelation. Continuously trying to find out things about the book of Revelation. Trying to prove this point, trying to prove that point, trying to prove... And was neglecting the development of his human spirit. Was neglecting the healing power of God. Was neglecting how to find out how, what God wants him to do in his own particular life to serve him, to live for him. You know, consequently he was attacked with a terminal disease. On his deathbed, while he was dying with that terminal disease, he still argued the book of Revelation. He died arguing the book of Revelation. Now, that's the sad thing to me. When Jesus died for his healing. I'm going to major in what Jesus died for. Now, I'm going to show you about major and minors. Jesus died so that I could live free from sin. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus died so I have power over sin. Can you say amen? amen? For me to major in anything else is wrong on my part. I am to live a holy life before the Lord, and I better major in what Jesus died for. If it was so important that Jesus actually died for it, then bless God, that's why I should major. So every believer, the major thing in your life is living free from sin. That's why I came. Also, he came and died for your sickness. That should be a major point in everybody's life. Do not neglect the study of divine healing in a positive way. If we neglect it, we're minoring in it. If we minor in it, we're out of balance with God's Word. Another thing, he died for the purpose, listen, for this reason, he died so that his, your mental anguish would be taken away from you and you could have peace of mind. The reason why there are Christians in mental homes is because they, they have not majored in the peace of God's mind. You see? That's why Jesus died. How can I go to something else when Jesus died that I live free from sin, free from sickness, free from mental anguish and torment? Do you see what I'm saying? Those are the majors then we should major in the major. I should develop a strong faith in these areas in particular. So everybody say it with me. I'm going to major in the majors. Not in the minors. Now that's why I'm giving faith to you because faith appropriates all that Jesus did. If I have not faith, I cannot appropriate. If I cannot appropriate what Jesus did for me, it doesn't affect me. Now that's a sad thing right there, isn't it? So I better major in this thing called faith. I gave you five good reasons. Without it, you wouldn't be born again. That's a good reason, isn't it? So you see what I'm saying? It's important that we get our perspectives right. It's important that we begin to study the Bible right. Don't think we've got to go through the whole thing and major in the whole book. We've got to major in the majors. Now, I want to say some things to you about faith. I want to make two important statements. And I, I, I believe you should write these down. Two very important statements. They are simple but they are profound. And when you talk about something being profound, it's a, it's a deep truth. You can state it simply. Jesus talked very simple, but a lot of the things that he taught were very profound. These scriptures right here are examples of that. Statement number one. Faith makes the word work. Faith makes the word work. 
You could be educated in the Word. You could be instructed in the Word. You could be a hearer of the Word. You could be taught the Word. You could be in Bible college. But if you can't make the Word work, where are you? If you can't get your healing when you need it, what happens? If you can't get your provision when you need it, we have forgotten His benefits. Do you see what I'm saying? Faith makes the Word work. Romans 10.8 says, But what saith it? The Word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the Word of faith. What is this book called? Say it out loud. The Word of faith. It's not the Word of doubt. It's not the Word of fear. It's not the Word of unbelief. But it is the Word of faith. That Word works. God and His Word are one. Faith in His Word makes it work for me. Okay, statement number two. Number one was faith makes the Word work. You ready? Love makes faith work. I like that. You like that? Faith makes the Word work. Love makes faith work. Galatians 5, 6, please. Hold your place in Mark. Turn to Galatians 5, 6, please. With me. Sometimes I rattle these things off. And I forget that we need to be looking at them and keeping them before our eyes. Isn't that what the Word teaches us? Let them not depart from before thine eyes, for they are life unto those that find them in health unto all their want. Hallelujah. What a blessing to know that. God's words are life unto me and health unto all my flesh. I often wondered why people got on my case because I always used to talk about faith and healing and, and you know, appropriating God's Word for him. But that's a major issue in God's redemptive plan. Did you know that? It's a major issue. God said it throughout His Word. Life and health. Life and health. See? With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Forget all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Those are major points. The reason why they're so major is because He hath made Him to be sick for us. See, God made Jesus to be sick for us. And if he did that, then it's my duty as a child of God to learn to appropriate that which he has supplied for me and provided for me. Amen? Okay. Galatians 5, verse 6. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but, but, are you in Christ? You in Jesus? Now, what he's saying here, for in Jesus Christ it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or whether you... Uh, were a Gentile. That holds no weight. And that word availeth there. If you want a definition, you can write this down. That word availeth means to have or exercise force. To have force or to exercise force. Okay? So, whether you've been a Gentile, it has no force. Whether you've been a, a Jew, has no force. See, to have force... Or to exercise. It doesn't exercise force for anything. If you got, if you were a Jew or a Gentile, when, you know, before you got saved. Now that you're in Christ Jesus, in other words, whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, is of no bearing. And it hasn't any force anymore. There's no power behind it any longer. But what has force? This is important in our teaching. What has force? But faith which worketh. By love. This is a deep truth. It's very important. I want you to understand this. Here Paul, a Jew, converted, 
talking to this church where the Judaizers came in to undermine his work and try to get the Gentiles to live like Jews, etc., etc., and, and, you know, and the Jews to keep the law. I want you to know this. That he is saying it does it to the Jews that I mean were Jews of the Jews. Uh, he's telling them that it doesn't, there is no force in being a Jew any longer. There's no power in it. It carries no weight with God. And there's no force or power in being a Gentile. But faith working by love. That's the new order of things right now. Faith working by love. Say it with me. Faith working by love has force. What kind of force? Well, okay. Faith is the creative force of the human spirit. It's the creative ability of the recreated human spirit. Faith is the creative force. It's the force that God used to create the worlds. Jesus, in Mark 11, said to us that if we were to use the same God kind of faith, we can do what was done to the fig tree. Didn't he say that? And we could remove a mountain. Didn't he say that? I mean, it said it. Mark 11, 23. I know these are deep, profound truths. I read them. I go over them. And I say, come on now, Lord. You told me if I could speak to that mountain, if I had that God kind of faith, it would go? And he says, yes. I say, I accept it because you sent it. Now, I know he's not a liar. I know he's not a lunatic. I know he's the son of the living God. And I know that what he said is true. I know it's very profound. I have to believe it. I must, it gives me incentive to get out there to stretch out my faith so that my faith can remove a mountain someday. You see what I'm saying? It's the creative force of the recreated human spirit. Now check this out. Love is the motivating force. Write that down. Love is the motivating force. Faith which worketh by love. The word worketh there in Galatians 5, 6 in the Greek translated is energized. Faith, which is energized by love. Faith is the creative ability or the creative force of the recreated human spirit, but faith must be energized by the force of love. That is the motivating force of the recreated human spirit. All right. Well, an example of that is this. Remember the scripture where it says, Jesus was moved with compassion and healed their sick. Here we see the operation of faith and love. Jesus was moved. The motivating force behind his healing the sick was love, compassion. He loved them so much that he did whatever it took to get them healed. Faith, of course, is the creative force. If he needed a new limb, he created it. If he needed a new eyeball, he created it or brought healing. Whatever the case was. Love and faith. Faith working by love. These two forces. Well, just what can these two forces do? Jesus said that faith can remove a mountain. The Holy Spirit, through the lips of the Apostle Paul, said that love never fails. Say that with me. Love never fails. Okay, now listen. Then if faith can remove a mountain, and if love can never fail, then faith, which is energized by love, can never fail to remove a mountain. I'll say that again. Then faith, which is energized by love can never fail to remove a mountain. You need that a third time? Faith, which is energized by love, can never fail to remove a mountain. No matter what that mountain is. 
you know what the Holy Spirit spoke up and said to me when I was going over this and meditating this? Sometimes we minister unto the sick and a lot of cases this is so. Not in all cases because sometimes the person's will gets involved. But sometimes we minister and the Holy Spirit will say, you didn't love them enough. You didn't have enough compassion upon them to use your faith and do whatever it would take to get them delivered. If you love them enough, if it meant fasting for 20 days, and we know that works doesn't do it, if it meant whatever it meant, staying alone and in prayer, praying in the Spirit, whatever it meant, whatever it meant to get that person delivered, if you love them enough, you'd do it. And you can just get on your knees and weep for the Lord. That's what intercessory prayer is all about, if you love them enough. So you see, faith cannot work by selfishness. People that talk about us faith people, they say, well, you faith people. You're just selfish. You just want to use your faith to get what you want, to get your needs met, to get this, to get that. Friends, listen to me. Faith doesn't work by selfishness. Faith does not work. It doesn't say that. You can't find that scripture in the Bible. Faith worketh by selfishness. Faith worketh by love. And if you're not operating in love, your faith's not going to work. So if I was operating in selfishness just to get my own needs met, see, it wouldn't work. God's got a system. You know, it's foolproof. It's, it's going to work like it's supposed to work. And so that force, that creative ability that's within me will not work or produce unless it's been energized by love. I'll be honest with you. That's why he said pray in the Holy Ghost to build yourself up on your most holy and keep you in the love of God. See, for those that are not spirit-filled, I don't know how they fulfill this. And, and, and I pray that they understand this. When Jude said, praying in the Holy Ghost, he said, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God. Those two forces again are mentioned. As I pray in the Holy Ghost, you see, it builds my, I build myself up. I keep myself in love. It's like charging myself up. Like a battery being charged up to produce enough energy to cause an automobile to do what it's supposed to do. Or a generator, the same thing, to do whatever you know, the need is. I build myself up on my most holy faith. I pray in the Spirit and I keep myself in love. I just let my faith be surrounded and energized by this great thing called love, God's compassion for people. That I begin to see these people out of God's eyes and my concern and care for them is so overwhelming that I'd do anything and go to any length to get that person delivered. And if you love them enough. And that's why, you know, you can't extend yourself up to meet the world. Jesus couldn't do it. If Jesus could not do it, beloved, He's doing it in a greater dimension, you know, by doing it through His whole body. But if Jesus in an earth body, an earth suit, couldn't reach the world by Himself, He said, He said, Father, look at the fields. Send forth laborers. In other words, I can't do I can't get them all. I can't be everywhere at once. But he has multiplied in us. Oh, would to God we walked in the same faith and love of the Master. It's in us, but it must be developed, highly developed, so that we walk in love and use our faith accurately, in a proper way, to get people set free and delivered. Amen? This is what God wants. This was the bulk of Jesus' ministry, and that is meeting the needs of humanity. Casting out the devils to set the people free. Amen. 
cursing sicknesses and diseases and commanding them to leave their bodies, laying his hands upon the sick so that they can be healed. This is the bulk of Jesus' ministry. And finally, giving his life a ransom so they can be delivered from the awesome thing called sin and death. That's his ministry. That's the dispensation we live in. Amen? That's the work he wants us to carry on. How are we going to do it? Faith energized by love. I need to know something about faith then, don't I? Now let's go back there to Mark 11, 23. I'll be honest with you. Someone said what we need is information. Well, I agree. But someone also said, well, we don't need inspiration. We need information. I said, well, I thought about it. That sounds cute. Sounds good. Sounds like a nice statement. But I also said, well, well, what would information do without inspiration? And I said, if that's all we need is information and inspiration. And some just rose up from within me that said, how about application? Did you hear that? You know, I need more than information. I need inspiration also. But I need more than inspiration. See, information gives me some education. That information will inspire me. Hallelujah. I can remove mountains like Jesus did. I'm inspired now. But inspiration doesn't do it. Because you went out there and spoke to a molehill and didn't do anything. Right? Jesus said you could remove a mountain with your faith and you spoke to a little molehill and didn't do anything. So, well, you go back to the drawing board. I was inspired. I was informed. But I couldn't apply. No application. So I need not only information, I need inspiration, and I need application. I've got to know how to apply this word of faith. Amen? That's my field. I'm glad we got around it. That's my field. I just love to talk about application. How to do it. How to get the job done. But you know what thrilled my heart? So I evaluate that. Brother, did you write that testimony about that baby's ear? Whatever, whoever, whoever, sister you did. Okay, now listen. It said that that prayer cloth was taken, laid upon a pillow, and, and when tests were run, extensive tests, that that ear, the doctors found there was, there, there was no evidence of loss of hearing. That hearing was restored. But I think about that, and, and I say this in my mind. It was, who laid that on that pillow? Who? The boy's father. Did you hear that? In other words, he believed in it. He believed it would work. Brothers and sisters, well, if I could just tell you how much weight you carry as a parent concerning your child's health and well-being. Where maybe I would have not, you know, succeeded in getting that child delivered. Or maybe our sister here would not have. But when the father took it, it's a father's cry out for faith and love and God meeting the need of that baby. When that thought, like that Syrophoenician mother, when she came and says, I'm not let go until I get the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus said, for thy saying, go, thy daughter, the devil's gone out of thy daughter. And that father took that, that thrilled my heart, that the father took it and placed it on that pillow and believed in it. And hallelujah, God did it. God delivered that child. Do you see what I'm saying? Faith. Information. Inspiration. Application. Thank God for application. Now, in this scripture over here in verse 23 in particular, I want to just say it in a simple way. I know we can read it, and that's education or information. I want to share with you what I mean about these three. Information. 
Information produces education. I read to you Mark 11:23, and you're educated. You've taught your brain to quote Mark 11:23. It says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And I didn't say that. Jesus did. But information is not enough. It will only give you education. It'll educate your brain. And your brain does not produce faith. Your brain produces what is called mental assent. The force of the mind. But that's not faith. That's mind power. And mental assent will not cause faith to come out of your spirit. So, education is not enough. And I'd like to just paraphrase that if I may for you. In that scripture, I say it like this. This is the law of faith. And if you didn't write that in your Bible, write it down. If you want, have, you know, we want to learn about faith, this scripture is the law of faith. It is a spiritual law, a law that works, but must be enforced by the individual believer. He must believe this law of faith. There's a lot of people that don't believe that this is the law of faith. But the person that taught this to me is called the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you know, you say? It's in red. Isn't it? It's in red. No, Jesus said it, though. Amen? Jesus, it's more than it's red. Jesus said it. It's in red, but Jesus said it. I know He said it, and He's teaching it to you and to me. Amen? And what, it's the law of faith. If that's the law of faith, and if I don't understand the law, anybody here you know, know anything about the laws that pertain to electricity? How about the law of gravity? You follow me? How about the law of thrust and lift, you know, force? That law. I guarantee you, if you operate that law of thrust, lift, you will supersede the law of gravity. Can you say amen? I guarantee you, you throw a ball up in the air, it's going to come down. But you get inside a jet airplane that will supersede. By a higher law, this other law, you can fly high in the sky. And that's what the word means when it says, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from loss and death. It's lifted me up above the clouds where this atmosphere is. It's put me up there to stay where all the other things are under me. Sin, disease, want, poverty, fear, all those things are under And if we learn to apply this law of the Spirit of life by faith, we can ride high above the clouds. Amen? Hallelujah. And if this is the law of faith, and I don't learn the law of faith, or even believe in it. And if Jesus taught it, that's enough for me to get into it. That Jesus taught it right there. How can I understand the first thing about faith? I can't. That's why we need to major in faith. So in this verse 23, I'm going to say it to you just the way I think it should, you know. I should to make it a little bit more clear. That what Jesus was really saying is this. If you believe in your heart, the things that you say will come to pass. Then... You will have whatsoever you say it. But if people meditated that, got that into their hearts, they and we're honest people. I mean, honest people. I'm gonna. I, I don't have the scripture. I'm, I'm turn to it. Jesus said, "If you were to say even to a mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe." Now, notice this part right here. But believe that those things which you want. It didn't say if you were to believe that the mountain would remove. 
It said, if you would be, the law of faith is this, you must believe that those things which you sayeth will come to pass. That encompasses more and involves more than just a mountain. That involves my words and everything I say. If I were to believe that law and strive to be perfected in that law of faith, and that is the law of faith, then I'm on my way to getting somewhere in God, with God, by faith. You see. If I were to believe that the things which I sayeth will come to pass, I'll probably stop saying 95% of what I've been saying. Amen? And so would you probably, if we really believed it. But those that have been educated in it only, they don't even think anything of it. Those that have meditated it. Now, the next one is inspiration. Inspiration and meditation go hand in hand. When I read this, I am inspired. Brother Michael, are you inspired when you read that? Don't you want to go out there and tell that? You see, that the force of that tornado brought up two huge trees out of this property, that property up here on Ohio Avenue, brought them out of the ground, literally lifted them up, I mean huge monsters, out of the ground and set them on someone's porch. Now, you think about that. If the power of the wind that God created, if the power of the wind that was perverted through sin can whirl around strong enough to pull a tree out of, its, out of the ground, the roots and all, and you and I have got the power in us that created the wind and the tree. And the author of that word said, you can speak to a sycamine tree and tell it to be, put, be uh, uprooted, plucked up by the roots, uprooted, and cast into the sea, not on somebody's porch, but into the sea, and be planted into the sea. Now, it's a one thing to get it up, but I can never understand that one. But plant it into the sea. It would obey you. Now, don't look at me like it's on some kind of wild character, you know, from another planet. I didn't say that. Who said that? May I remind you? Who said that? Who said, if I were to speak to a sycamine tree, be plucked up by the roots and say to it, and be planted into the sea, it would obey you? Who said that? I just have to believe it. In simple faith. I must believe it. And then work, strive at attaining what he said. Does that inspire you, brother? I'll tell you what. But inspiration is not enough. So through meditation, you need to write this down. Through meditation, I build a capacity for faith in my spirit. I build a capacity. It's not enough to know Mark 11.23. That's education. It's not enough to just meditate Mark 11.23. That builds a capacity. That's inspiration. But the last one is application. And we're going to say, if I may... Activation, activate, action. Acting on the Word of God produces application. I have to apply it. And I do that all by faith. So I must meditate the Word. After I've been informed to the Word, I'm inspired. But it, we only get results through application. I must start believing this, whether my mind receives it or not. Does not the Bible say, but trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding? I must believe that those things that I speak will come to pass if I believe them in my heart. I must believe in the law of faith, in other words. Now, listen to me. That is the law that got you born again. Did you know that? That's the law that got you. If you're born again, that's the law that got you born again. 
What did Romans 10, 8 say? The word is nigh thee in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With thy mouth he confesses unto salvation. Right? Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Although you haven't seen it yet, you have it. Your salvation. That's the law of faith. You believe in it for salvation. Let's believe in it to live by. The just shall live by faith. Let's believe in it to stand against the devil. Fight the good fight of faith. Let's believe in it to please our Heavenly Father and to walk by faith. Do you see what I'm saying? Don't stop in salvation and say it doesn't work in these other four areas. It does. But it takes comprehensive insight. It takes determination, diligence, and study. So, here again, we need information, inspiration, and application in order to get these things to work for us. Now, in that scripture, let's just say this all together. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Say this way. I will have whatsoever I say. See, I may not understand it. But again, I said I did not write that scripture. Jesus did. And it's the law of faith that makes the word work. I better dig into it. I'm going to show you another scripture to give you an example. 1 Thessalonians 4.11. 1 Thessalonians 4.11. This is a scripture I've used much. I've quoted it. But I never took the time, I guess, to be diligent enough to look up the word that's used in this scripture. In 1 Thessalonians 4.11, we have an example given to us by the Apostle Paul that I want to use concerning our speech. Now, I've quoted this scripture in a different way, but I've got it, I've got it in a better light right now. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.11. This is an example. And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. How many times have you quoted that scripture, study to be quiet? Study to be quiet. Now, I took it upon myself to look up in my Strong's Concordance and in my Dakes Bible. If you've got a Dakes Bible, you can look it, look it up. The definition of this word study, it is not the same word that's used study to show yourself to be approved to God. It's not the same word. Sometimes it throws us. We look at it and it says study. And you think, well, I've got to get out my, my books and study to be quiet. And until we learn this scripture, I've, t- I've told you many times, put a band-aid over your mouth. That'll teach you to be quiet. But study to be quiet, and you, you, we're thinking we've got to look it up, you know, some material to learn how to be quiet. But that's not what it's saying. This word is defined as such. Be ambitious. To be ambitious, this is the word study. <clears throat> if you want to write it down, fine. If not, get the tape. Amen. Pursue e- eagerly. Pursue eagerly. Strive emulously. The word emulously just means to excel. Strive to excel. Aspire to. A-S-P-I-R-E. Aspire to. The word aspire means seek to obtain or acquire a particular goal. Seek to obtain or acquire a particular goal. And then finally, prize above measure. Prize above measure. So in other words, what he's saying is this. Be ambitious, pursue eagerly, strive emulously, aspire to, prize above measure to be quiet. The word quiet means 
refrain from speech and meddlesomeness. Refrain from speech and meddlesomeness. Stay out of people's lives and affairs and study to be quiet. In other words, don't talk a lot. And the word study, as I said there, is prizes above measure. Why is he saying that to us? Why is Paul inferring this? Why has he put such an importance on prizing above measure to be quiet? Prizing above measure? I mean, above, you can't even determine it. You can't measure it out. Prize this above measure to be quiet? Unless there was importance to it. You see, he's again in front. If you back up just a, a, a few scriptures, go up to verse 8. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. Now, you're going to love this scripture. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. I like that. You're taught of God to love one another. God taught you people how to love one another. That's what he's saying. So, touching brotherly love, I need not write to you. So, he goes on to say, and indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. These people were lovers, weren't they? They walked in love. What's one of those forces? Love. Okay, go on. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Although you're walking in love, increase in that love. And that you prize above measure to be quiet. Minding your own business. Not speaking too, too much. Do you see what this is, how this is inferring that this law of faith is very important? Faith worketh by love. And it's so important we understand that. Faith works by love. And the law of faith says that if I believe it in my heart and say it with my mouth, even if it's directed towards a mountain, it'll be removed. I can't back off on this. I've got to get deeper into it. So do you. Do you see why? It's the law of faith. It's what our faith is designed to do. Jesus mastered it. James said, if any man controls his tongue, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Isn't that what he said? So that's why Paul is writing like this and saying this. We need to do this. But we don't need to just be educated in this. We need to be not only inspired in this. We need to start applying this in our everyday lifestyle. Can you say Amen. See, I need to do this in greater depth, in dimension. Now, if this is something I strive for, I set as a goal, I can't possibly obtain that goal overnight. You know what just crossed my thinking? I wonder if this was the prize that he was shooting for. I wonder if obtaining to this great resurrection was because he was learning this law. Remember Paul said, I'm shooting for the mark of the high prize, the prize of the high calling. Think about it. He, in his own words, writes it out and says, prize this above measure. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, if we really understand Mark eleven twenty three, I I'm assured in my spirit that we'd be saying a lot less. Every one of us. So I'm just admonishing you. I'm admonishing myself. I'm willing to be taught myself that we need to take this law of faith into deeper consideration. And we need to concentrate on setting this as a goal for our own individual lives. Our faith can remove mountains, and there's no reason why it shouldn't be removing mountains if it operates in love. Now, remember what I said concerning the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14, too, real quick, 
I want to just get this in before we close. And again, if you're new with us this evening, I, I teach like a train. I never stop. I just let go and just pick up somewhere else, you know, next week or whenever. Just, just we just stop on hook, then we come and pick it back up. Amen. And you know, I pray that everybody knows where I'm at and what I'm saying. But some that you know come in now and then, they, they may wonder. But this is probably how many, how many lessons we have in this series? About thirteen, something like that. So we've just been talking about this for quite a while. Now look at over here in First Corinthians fourteen, verses two and four. If I believe in my heart that the things I say with my mouth will come to pass, I mean, if I really do, if I really believe that, better write this down. These are golden nuggets. Write these golden nuggets down. Now listen. If I really believe that, then by faith I can activate the influence of the Holy Spirit. By faith I can activate the influence of the Holy Spirit. By fear, I can activate the influence of the unholy spirit. By faith, I can activate the influence of the Holy Spirit. And by fear, I can activate the influence of the unholy spirit. Here's why a lot of believers fail in their walk and get highly confused when it comes to faith. Faith means I believe in my heart that what I say with my mouth will come to pass, right? Okay, I believe that in my heart. Well, here's what they say about the Holy Spirit. Over here in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries or divine secrets. Verse 4, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. There's a lot of people that will say, When I pray in the Spirit, I don't get edified. When I pray in the Spirit, I don't know that I'm speaking unto God. I don't communicate with God. I just do it. See? You're not using your faith. You're not applying your faith to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Faith is what you believe in your heart and say. If you prayed in the Spirit for an hour and said after an hour, I'm not edified. This is not the word of doubt and unbelief. This is the word of what? What's faith? What you believe in your heart and say, say with your mouth. What did you just say when you got done praying in the Holy Ghost for about an hour? I'm not edified. No application. You see what I'm saying? Now, on the other hand, when you start talking that way, you influence the unholy spirit to confuse your thinking and to agree with you that, yeah, you don't get edified, so there's no reason for you to pray in tongues any longer. Then when we start saying, you know, like I said over here, you speak divine secrets unto God, and you're charged up, and you instruct yourself. I pray in the Holy Ghost like you said, but I still never get any instruction or teaching. And I don't know that I'm speaking divine secrets unto God. You're not using your faith. You're not using your faith in connection with praying with other tongues. You know, it would do us a world of good before we ever prayed in the Spirit to get on our knees and say, Father, you told me in 1 Corinthians 14, 2 and 4, that if I pray with other tongues, I'm speaking divine secrets unto you. I believe that with my heart and say it with my mouth. And oh, you also told me that I charge myself up, I build myself up, I instruct myself and teach myself. I believe now that when I pray in the Spirit, I'll be charged up, instructed, Talk, and I'll speak secrets unto you. I'll tell you what. You get away from that place just wanting to go and tame a lion. Because you used your faith. Do you see that connection there? Then on the other hand, we've got the same thing. With the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Go to John 14, verse 26. And John 16, verse 12 and 13. 
Just an example here concerning using your faith. John 16, 12 and 13. John 14, 26. Concerning the Holy Ghost. Now notice over here in these scriptures, and I'll just, you know, get them off to you. It says in John 14, 26, that when the Comforter has come, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. What will he do? Teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance. You have a teacher and you have somebody to remind you. Okay? Look at John 16, 12 and 13. Here Jesus says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it? When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He will guide you. He'll speak to you. He will show you things to come. He will teach you. He will remind you. Now, Jesus, Jesus said, the Son of God said, that when the Holy Ghost comes, he will do those five things. Can you say amen? The believer that says, yeah, but he doesn't teach me. But I have a hard time understanding the Bible. See, this is not the word of doubt and unbelief. If you believe in your heart and say with your mouth that that which you're saying is going to come to pass, you're influencing the unholy devil when you say that. You're influencing the devil and his cohorts. You're not influencing the Holy Ghost. You're not being inspired by him. Do you see what I'm saying? If Jesus said that, I pick up on the word of faith and start believing that and start saying that the Holy Ghost has come. He's in me. He's dwelling in me. I've received Him in me. He is teaching me. He is reminding me. He is guiding me. He is speaking unto me. He is showing me things to come. If you believe in your heart and say it with your mouth, what will happen? He shall have whatsoever he what? Do you see what I'm saying? It's the law of faith. We tap into the resources that God has for us, even the Holy Ghost, by faith. We receive Him by faith. He instructs us by faith. As I cooperate by faith, He teaches me. If I say I don't learn, He don't teach me. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why a lot of, a lot of people don't understand the Word of God, the revelation knowledge of God's Word. He is the teacher. I want to tell you to do something. I believe it's important. Concerning meditating, and not only educating and meditating, but applying this in your own life. And then we'll close right here. We've got a couple minutes. Say this with me. The Holy Spirit is in me. Whether I feel Him or not. I am not passive. But I'm insistent. That you take me over. Holy Spirit. That you teach me. You illumine my heart. And my mind. And that you guide me. That you prove yourself to be greater in me than the hostile forces of darkness that surround me. I will give you place. I will honor you. I'll treat you with utmost courtesy. Talk with you as you talk with me. You are my continual companion. You are in me. I'm influenced by you. You unveil spiritual truth to my spirit. You make Jesus wisdom to me. 
Through the Word. You make the Word alive in my heart and in my mouth. You are my ability to use the name of Jesus effectively. You unveil to me the Father's heart of love, which is the motivating force of my heart. You just talk to the Holy Ghost. He is the power, the mind, and the ability of God in you. And when you act on that kind of faith in what you just said, and believe that from your heart, it does something to that faith element inside your spirit. It causes you to grow. Well, we need to all stand before the Lord. I believe our tape is done. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.